Good morning, everyone. It's wonderful to be with you. If you have your Bible, let's turn to John chapter 8, and we'll read some verses there in just a moment. But uh, it's lovely to be here with you in Bunbury. It's uh, my fourth time to be here in Bunbury, but my first time to be here at this church. And I feel very privileged to be here today. I rang my wife while I was on the way here because uh, uh, she couldn't come. We have three sons, one daughter. So Sophie is my favorite daughter and I have three favorite sons. And my wife said, look, we didn't get to church today. They're expecting 100 mil of rain in one hour at our house. And it's sort of, you know, there's water all there. I said, okay, got to go. Have a good time. You know, all of that. And we'll, we'll sort that out later, I'm sure. We'll hear all about that. I want to start this morning by thanking you as a church for the invitation to be here, especially Pastor Michael for your generosity, graciousness and kindness. Our family has uh, been through uh, somewhat of a, 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 a rough time the last few years and uh, we've had a number of transitions happen and your pastor has texted me with the peculiarity of timing that I think only God can give. At different times, he's texted me just to see how we are, and we've very much appreciated that. I'm 41. I know I don't look a day over 60, but I'm 41, and uh, my wife is a few years younger than me. Uh, just a couple of years ago, she had a uh, brush with bowel cancer, and they, they took out uh, two-thirds of her big bowel. That all came upon us suddenly. I'm so thrilled to see what God is doing here in this part of the world. And we just rejoice with you, and I'm very, very privileged to be here with you today. All right, John chapter 8. What a theme for the morning of light and uh, darkness. This is a great passage we're going to read. I want to start in John chapter 8 and verse 12. And uh, I'm going to read that to you here. And then we're going to backtrack a little bit to the narrative that's going to illustrate the point for us, okay? And in John 8, 12, the Bible says this. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world whoever follows me will not walk in darkness but will have the light of life now this is an interesting theme one particular preacher that uh, is well known from a century before he made this comment about the gospel of john this book that we're reading from he said the gospel of john is so amazing it is so easy for the child to read, yet so hard for the adult to understand. The Gospel of John, its construction, it has the least amount of syllables per word of any book in the Bible. So when you're teaching a child to, to read the Bible, it's a great place to start because there are so many one-syllable words. And if I was to quote John 1, uh, uh, for me, maybe from the, the King James, you would start with, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, right? You've got these one-syllable words. And so the themes that come out, they have a simple understanding to us, but yet they have a depth. And how many of you have discovered that with God? Often those simple things, there is layers of depth to it. And one of those themes that's here in John, really it's there in the Bible all the way through, is the theme of light and dark. In John 1 and verse 5, it says that the light shined into the darkness. King James says, and the darkness comprehended it not. I love what the ESV says. It says, and the darkness could not overcome the light. Have you noticed in life 
that when you can put light against darkness, light wins. Isn't that good? And you think about how God created the world right back there in Genesis 1. And it tells us in verse 2 that there was darkness upon the face of the deep of the, the earth. But then in verse 3, God said, let there be light. And there was light. That was before he created the sun, that, that big ball that lights our world. You know how God did that? Because the Bible tells us he is light. In heaven one day, in Revelation 21, it tells us there's no need for an S-U-N there because the Lamb, the Lamb of God, is the light of the new Jerusalem. Light comes from Him. He is light. And one of the first lessons that a little baby learns when it gets into this world, outside of mum's tummy, is it learns light and dark. Before it can comprehend all the depth of that, there's night and day, light and dark. And it's such a simple theme, but there is so much more to it. So with that in mind, Jesus says this in John chapter 8, if you're there, in, in verse 12. Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, he is teaching in the temple. And he has a whole different group of people there, just like here this morning. People of all different walks of life. And it says at the start of verse 12, and again he was teaching, because it's going to follow on from what came before. But the point of verse 12 is he says that if you follow me, you'll walk in light, not in darkness. And that gets me curious. What came before that? What came before that that would cause him to say that right there? What's the context to that? Well, let me fill you in a little bit here. In John chapter 7, the plans are afoot by the religious crowd of the day to kill Jesus. Over in John 7 and verse 25, they begin to speak of him that way. Is this the one that, they, that we've been looking to kill, that we've been seeking to kill? And it's starting to unfold. There is this great tension between the religious leaders called the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day. And there's this great tension between them and Jesus because Jesus is bringing freedom to the lives of everyday people. And how many of you would say that today, that Jesus brings, lives, uh, brings freedom to the lives of everyday people? It's wonderful, isn't it? And the religious leaders didn't like this. And I want to just tell you something straight off the bat here today, that religion... Religion doesn't like light because religion is bound in darkness. The Pharisees were a group who had started out well. They wanted to defend Israel about 150, 160 BC. By the time Jesus got there 150 years later, they'd become very political and very corrupt. The mind will start to tick about different things that happened in our world this way. They got used to power. They were self-centered. They had focused in on the Old Testament law in a way that hurt people instead of helping them. And now, come on, talk to me here. Uh, I, I should have said this at the start. The more you talk to me, the quicker I am. Amen. Thank you very much. All right. So we've already got one who wants lunch. Okay. So talk to me a little bit here. And, and so the, these, do you understand that when God made laws, God never made laws to hurt you. He made them to help you. And so the Old Testament law, if we consider the Ten Commandments, they were not put there to, to scold you. That was God saying, this will help you live a good life. But the Pharisees came along and they turned the, the Ten Laws of, of God into 613. I mean, they could run for parliament today. They, they could take simplicity and make it complex. 
And Jesus, of course, when he was asked about it, turned 613 down into basically two. Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so the Pharisees had, t- had done this thing that, that I hate, and, and this is me now, but I hate this. How many of you hate it that, you know, when someone has power, they use it to abuse people rather than help them? Talk to me. I have a belief that the strong should not harm the weak. Dads, you have, you have a, a power in your home. Use it to be a blessing to your home. Mums, older siblings, bosses in the workplace, pastors in churches, we have been given a certain measure of authority that is to be used to bless others. And the Pharisees were not this way. They would trample on top of people to keep their own power. They put heavy yokes as one of the examples Jesus used. And, he ma- and, and the Pharisees made the lives of the common man harder. So Jesus here is going to use a story. You're waiting for me to get to the story here to describe what's going on. So you're there in John 8. Let's have a little look here together at what's going on. Let's pick up in verse number 2. In verse 2, it says, Early in the morning, Jesus came to the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Now, just stop there for a moment. He's at the temple. The Pharisees say, this is our temple. It's a religious building. But we know in the Bible, right, while they may have used it that way, this was actually a temple to worship Jesus because he's God. But they weren't recognizing him as God. So he's there sitting and he sat and just like there's people coming to him. What do you think these Pharisees are thinking? They've already said in John 7 they want to kill him. And now when they've turned up on Saturday, on Sunday, uh, well, whatever day this was, I'm paraphrasing for us as a Sunday here, they've turned up and the crowds are coming and sitting and listening to Jesus. Enter into it with me. What do you think's going on in those scribes and Pharisees? Do you think they're going, oh, praise God? Or they're doing a bit of these ones. You know, the stare. Every married person knows the stare. You know, the look. You know, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, have, have, they've got the bit of a scowl on the face, I imagine, here, and a few whispers, and they're, they're plotting. And Jesus begins to teach. And uh, he, he, because he's light, he's, he's, he's shining light into darkness. And, and in verse 3, the scribes and Pharisees, that you can imagine as Jesus has been teaching, they've been plotting. I really hope that you're not here today plotting. One, because I want to get out of here alive. But two, because you might be closing yourself off from what the Lord has for you. But they're plotting. And Jesus is talking. We don't know what, he's, what exactly he's sharing at this time. But look at what they do in verse 3, because this is what dark people do. Verse 3, the scribes and the Pharisees bought a woman who had been caught in adultery and they placed her in the midst. Can you imagine the humiliation? I mean, how would you feel today, even if you hadn't done anything wrong and someone dragged you in amongst the crowd and threw you down here on the floor? Who here would say that's great? No one. Awful. And, and verse 6 is going to give us a clue about what's going on, what's really going on here. And we'll come to that. 
In verse 4, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Can you almost hear their, you know, looking down attitude? Now, I'm going to stop here again and say this. Many, uh, not everyone, but many are here will say that, you know, they, they got her right then and she'd been in the act right then. I don't think that. Here's my view, and I'll say it to you. This is an opinion, okay? An opinion. I believe this was a lady who was already at the temple, e.g. at church worshipping. But the Pharisees being who they were, they knew she had a past. Because most people who are worshipping God have a past. And they were looking to get to Jesus and so what they did is they brought a lady here to embarrass her, to embarrass Jesus, to make themselves look better. And this is what I call the ugly side of darkness. Some of you will have worked in a workplace where someone you work with, their only way to get to the top is to stand on everyone else. Instead of pursuing growth and becoming better and, and growing and, and, and reaching a promotion, their strategy to get there is to stand on everyone else, kick them down, level it out so there's just them left at the top. It's darkness. And so my view here is that this woman was worshipping, but she had a past. And don't raise your hand today, but how many of us have a past? How many of us right now wrestle with some stuff? Jesus knows. But you see, what the Pharisees are like, they're the kind of people who, they're religious. And, and you see, they see themselves as perfect because they can't see their own darkness. So they, they look at a person like this, and here's what they do, and please, please listen to this bit. They're the kind of people who can never let you get over your past. So you did that thing 28 years ago and you walk in and they say, oh, there's that and they label you by the thing. But how many are glad today Jesus doesn't label you by a thing but he, he, he labels you by the Son of God. You are made in the image of God and as we sung today, you are who he says you are. And so the darkness is prevailing here. They bring this woman, they throw her down in the midst. And, and we, we read on a little bit further here. Verse 5, now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. How many of you want to be, ladies, how many of you want to be married to one of these guys? I mean, you're just lining up at the door, right? You know, the dads, how many of you want your daughters to marry these guys? Uh -uh. So what do you say, Jesus. And verse 6 says, This they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Are, are you getting, talk to me, are, are you getting the darkness of this mindset? The ugly mindset of darkness? Their, 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 their whole agenda here is to look good by making everyone else look bad. Their, their agenda is they're so full of darkness that when light is shining in and hope and all the things that come with that instead of saying oh wow they say let's turn off the light it's an agenda 
And so you see the scene here. And if we were to demonstrate it today, you imagine that this woman is down on the ground and these, these self-righteous Pharisees looking over the end of their nose there and Jesus there and the humble followers listening to him. And you see all of this is going on. And you think, wow, what's going on? They ask him this question. Now, some of you have read the story and you know the end of the story. But uh, what are you thinking at this point in time? Boy, I'm glad they asked Jesus, not me. They want to keep her bound. And as I say, beware of that darkness that can mask itself as something righteous. I think we see it. And I did not come from Queensland to WA to make political statements. I came to talk the gospel. But it's a realm I think we all understand how often it can happen in that realm when we are given half information and things are spoken of in a way to proclaim, look, we're really the rescuer here. But there's really something else going on. It's a scary thing. But enter Jesus, hallelujah. And uh, come on, talk to me. How many of you know when Jesus gets in a situation, things get better? Doesn't mean the circumstance right there and then always turns around and becomes perfect. But I've got I to tell you this. I want Jesus in every situation in my life, especially when darkness is trying to overcome light. Do you want that too? Hallelujah, Jesus is there this day. Because this poor woman, I mean, you think about her. And whether you agree with me that it may have been a, a, a long time past event or maybe just recent or, or whatever, hallelujah that Jesus is there because how many of you, come on, talk to me, how many of you think that without Jesus, this woman was never going to have a future? Because even if they didn't stone her, which under Roman law they couldn't have done that day, but even if they didn't stone her, how many of you agree that there was no way she was ever going to get a, a second chance or, or a go at life? She was always going to be known as that thing. But hallelujah, here we see next the unrestrained mindset of light because Jesus enters into the situation. You see, Jesus, who is the light of the world, has a different mindset and he is able to shift the narrative here and begin to deliver hope. And I love what he does here. Look with me in uh, verse 6 here as it continues on what takes place here. They, they try to tempt him. And bring a charge against him. But Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. And some will speculate what he wrote. I've got an opinion. You probably don't care for my opinion. And so I, he, he begins to write and, and do that on the ground. What an answer. What an answer. This captive audience, this aggressive Pharisees, and he begins to write on the ground. And they continue to ask him. Can you almost hear the crowd baiting here? Well, come on, what do you say? Where's your answer? Come on, where's your answer? And as they continue to ask him, because notice what he did first of all. He stooped down and he got down on the ground with her. And you know what that is first of all? He's saying, I am not ashamed to be associated with you in your darkest hour. In that moment, his focus was not on the loud, aggressive Pharisees, but was on the helpless person who couldn't defend herself. Oh, that gives me goosebumps. I love that. Because in your darkest hour, when you're calling out, maybe sometimes, maybe for some of you, it's been God, are you even there? or you're going through that situation that looks hopeless, I want you to know that the attention of the Lord Jesus Christ 
is with you. The humility of our all-powerful God would stoop down and be on your level, almost as if to say to darkness, you take her on, you're taking me on. And how many of you want God on your side when you go through stuff? And he stoops down. Really, by the way, that's what he did when he came to the cross. He stooped down from a throne of heaven to walk on the earth and hang on a cross for those who could not rescue themselves. Hallelujah. He came and he died in our place. So he stoops down, he writes on the ground and he's associating with her and they bait him some more and now he stands up because to talk to them he's going to stand up. And he simply says in verse 7, Let him who is without sin among you be the first to throw a stone. And he shifts this narrative as he now addresses them to say, you know, I know what's really going on. But he challenges them about the outcome. Because here's the thing about darkness. These Pharisees, you know why they want to stone her? Other than they're setting Jesus up. This is the mindset of darkness again. The Pharisees want to stone her because when you just kill something, very black and white, when you just kill something, guess what? You don't have to deal with it anymore. This is why judgmentalism is so much a part of darkness. Yep, yep, it's just that. Just kill it. Yep, done, good. Well, I go back sitting on the couch now. Talk to me. When grace enters in, when there's grace, there's often some mess. But grace isn't bothered by the mess. The Bible tells us Jesus is full of grace and truth. I've met some Christians that are full of truth and they've got no grace. And I've met some Christians that are full of grace and they've got no truth. And our Savior is this perfect balance. How many are glad that Jesus isn't afraid of your messy situations? But he has an answer. But you know what the world likes to do? You know what darkness does when it comes and visits us? It wants to give a really simple death solution. Because that just makes it a bit easier. Can I tell you, can I make a confession today? Well, that got your attention. I've been guilty of this as a parent. Oh, if I can just bring a simple, situa- simple solution, I can get back to it. But it's not always that way. And that's not shining light into a dark situation. These Pharisees. Kill her. We just kill it and it'll be done. We can go back to life and no more threat to our power. So they wanted that end. But here's the thing about Jesus. The questions he asked, the actions he took shift this into the realm of light because he shows some different situations. I do some work in, additional, in addition to pastoring, I do some work in the coaching field and we call this expanding the boundary conditions of our mind. If you're familiar with the term boundary conditions, the boundary conditions are simply the boundaries of your present thinking. And so if we think of that, let's say I'm standing up here and uh, right now, my mind is this stage, the four corners of that, 
then what my mind will do is it will only look for solutions that are inside these four, four corners here. But you know what Jesus does? Is he often shows us that there are solutions that are outside of our natural thinking. Is that right? And here's where light comes in. Because what light does is when light shines into darkness, it scatters the darkness for a start, but it shows the way to what else is there. And that is why you and I need the light of Jesus in our day-to-day thoughts. Every parent here needs the light of Jesus in our parenting. Every boss needs the light of Jesus in our workplace. Every pastor needs it in our ministry. Every church member needs it when we come to church. Every Christian needs it every single day that we walk this earth. We need that light. You know, light gives life, right? Have you ever seen those plants? I don't know if they grow in this part of the world, but have you ever seen those plants that at nighttime they sort of shrivel up like this? And then the sun comes up and they start to open up again. Isn't that a wonderful picture of how the darkness affects and then the light hits and we start to open up and see hope and see joy. That's what happens here. So follow the narrative with me here and I'll give you a couple of points here this morning. I I sense you thinking as I'm, I'm sharing this with you today. Jesus expands those boundary conditions and that expands the options. And I just love this because this is such a story about who Jesus is. It's a a microcosm of the whole Bible. And so he says that in verse 7 to them. Well, if you don't have sin, he's basically saying to them, if you don't have sin, well, then I guess you can stand in the seat of the judge. So anyone here this morning who's never done anything wrong ever, well, then you have a right to pick up a stone and throw it at someone else. And he has just turned it here because they, darkness sees itself as better than someone else. And he turns it to even the playing field here. And then notice in verse 8 what he does again. It says, once more, he bent down and wrote on the ground. You see what's happening? When he's down here, he's dealing with her. When he's up here, he's dealing with them. And now he gets back down on the ground. And he writes again. And when they heard it, It says, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones. Now, here's what you may know, you may not know, is that if they were going to stone someone, it was the oldest who had to throw the first stone. And so the oldest here begins with a, hmm, because you see light is being shined into the darkness. And praise God, the older one recognizes their hypocrisy here. And the light shines and the older one says, hmm, in their mind, wow, we've just thrown her down, but actually that could be me. Or that should be me. And one by one they begin to leave and it says that Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. What did you notice? Where is she now? says she's standing i wonder if he helped her up you see sometimes darkness pushes people down but light can help them stand back up and so she's there with him it's just them now and uh by the way 
How many of you, when you get a, a real great moment with God, it feels like it's just you and Him? I mean, you could be in the busiest place in the world and it's just you and Him. It's so intimate. And He stands there with her. And notice what He says. Now, now please stay with me on this and pay attention to this because you've you got to get this. This is where, it, where it's coming to. Jesus stood up and said to her, uh, woman, um, where's everyone else? Where are they? Now, he's God, right? Talk to me. He's God. He knows where they are. He knows their address. He knows exactly where they are. But what is he doing? He wants her to answer these questions. Woman, where are they? Uh, what's going on here? Has no one condemned you? Has no one condemned you? Now, please stay with me on this bit. Me, being the impatient person I am, that's why I love your pastor, he's very patient. I'm impatient, I can be this way. You know what I would have done? I would have said, now woman, let me tell you, they're all gone, no one's condemning you. I would have been explaining everything. But Jesus didn't. He stopped and asked some questions. Um, where are they? Has anyone condemned you? Now church, I'm going to ask you this here this morning. Just look up at me for a moment. Has anyone condemned you? In darkness, the Pharisees of this world want to condemn. Kale, Pastor Michael this morning talked about the darkness of this world and, and they are so right. Here's the emphasis of this message as, I, as you can sense my tone coming down here is sometimes the darkness can be what goes on in our own mind. And Jesus is asking you a question. Has anyone condemned you? Because self-condemnation can be a big condemner. And Jesus wants you to answer the question today. Because he can answer it, but you need to answer it. Because what Jesus did was a very visual illustration to this woman that when they threw her down in the midst and they stood there, come on, talk to me. How many of you think she was thinking in that moment, yes, that's exactly what they think of me. But when Jesus does this, he is showing her that when you've got Jesus, there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. Oh, that doesn't mean in this world they might not try and throw a few things. But Jesus is saying, I didn't even hear it. That is darkness. And you are a child of light. Walk in the light. Follow me and walk in the light. Whosoever follows me will not walk in darkness. For some of us this morning, the serious thing you have to do is say, I want to be a part of God's kingdom. I want to follow him. But some of us today who already know Christ as Savior need the darkness flushed out of our mind that we would walk in the light and recognize that in Christ Jesus, 
No one can stand around and throw the stones because he will not let them. Oh, Satan wants to. Come on, talk to me. Does Satan want to? Because if he can defeat you in your mind, he will defeat you in your actions because it all starts in the mind. But Jesus is wanting you to answer a question. Two questions. Where are they? Has anyone condemned you? Because there is no condemnation in Christ Jesus. And notice her answer. She simply says three words, no one, Lord. And I wonder today if it would be okay to ask you to do this today. I'm going to ask you this question. Has anyone condemned you? And I want you to respond, no one, Lord. If you don't believe it, you don't want to respond it, that's fine. But I'm going to ask you the question this morning. Has anyone condemned you? Do you believe that? You see, he got her to answer it because she had to say, no one. Because what Jesus has called free, no one can call bound. How many of you are glad that though I have a past, I am washed free by the blood of Jesus Christ? Though I walked in darkness when I came to him and he gloriously saved my soul, I am now a child of light. I'm not a child of light because, look at me, I'm a child of light. I'm a child of light because I am who he says I am. And I hope you get this today. No one. No one. I hope you could say this to your children. As I said, I have four children. Two of my four are very prone to self-condemnation. And the other two are very prone to condemning them. You know how that works? <laughs> oh, I didn't do well today. No, you really didn't do very well today, right? And it can be such a cancer of the mind. Now, this is not a beat-up motivational speech, brethren. This is true doctrine of what Jesus Christ would want you to have today. Because, you see, darkness wants this lady's death. Darkness looks at her past and says, Oh, you've got nothing. You're done. That's it. And Jesus enters in. The light enters into it and says, Yes, you are here right now. But I have plans for a better future for you. And it all starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hey, you all heard the rule, the uh, definition of insanity? Same thing over and over. That's the first rule. Do you know what the second rule is? Look up here, please. You know what the second rule is? Hoping for a better past. It's a definition of insanity. You cannot go back. But you can start today with Jesus. And if Jesus gets in there and the light gets in there, light brings life. Light brings hope. Light brings amazing joy. And look what happens here. She says, no one. And then she says, Lord. And this is part of why I think that perhaps she already had a pre-existing relationship with Jesus that they didn't want to acknowledge. Because she's calling him Lord. She's acknowledging him. And not everyone that day did that and knew of him and so on. So that's just my view here. So she says, no one, Lord. And she's standing there with her Savior. And I want to encourage you after this service today, one-on-one, -on -one, even if everyone else is there in prayer, Jesus would ask you this question, has anyone condemned you? And I hope you could stand there with your Savior in prayer and say, no one, Lord. No one, Lord. Because we walk in the light. And then look at what comes from that in the next other, in, in, sorry, in the rest of that verse. Well, then Jesus goes on to say, well, guess what? Neither do I condemn you. I was kind of hoping someone would say, "Woo, hallelujah to that one. 
Come on, practice that. Woo! No, that's what we do in Queensland, all right? Neither do I condemn you. Come on, how many of you are glad that Jesus Christ does not condemn you if you're a child of God? He doesn't condemn you even if you're not because he said it's your works that will, not him. He's not a condemner. Oh, you see, religion, boy, it's condemning. Boy, religion will just tell you everything you got wrong and why it's not good enough and it's dark, dark, dark. But then over here is Jesus, your creator. The giver of life, the creator of light and shines light into your life and he says, good, I'm glad you got it because I don't condemn you either. And then he says, go, in the King James it says, go your way. And I love the phrase, go your way. Go and live the life that is your individual life to live in the light of God. Go your way and sin no more. Can I just finish with this thought here? I haven't got to point three, but I'm going to finish. Can I finish with this thought here today? When Jesus says, go your way and sin no more, that was not a statement of, and you better not sin anymore. That was a statement of life to say, you don't have to sin anymore. Because you got the light now. And, uh, and, and some Christians have to stop this little mindset of, well, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. Because every time you say, I'm just a sinner, you tell your brain you're just a sinner who keeps on sinning. And get rid of it and start saying this, I'm just a saint who was saved by the marvelous light of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in him, that light gives me the opportunity that I can walk out these doors today and I don't have to sin anymore. Because I have the light of God. I have life. I'm not trapped in darkness. I'm freed from darkness. 1 Peter 2 verse 9 tells us we have been called out of darkness into his marvelous or the excellency of his light. Do you believe that today? Hallelujah. He says we've been called out of that he then says over in ephesians we are to walk in light in matthew chapter 5 he jesus even said you are the light of the world and you know what metaphor i give there i say to us we're we're a candle we didn't light ourselves but we hold that light and you know what happens with a candle you don't place yourself god places you where he wants you to shine the light and as a candle you have the light of god in the place God wants you to be, to shine that light for the glory of God. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Let it shine, let it shine. Hey, if you have Jesus today, you have light. His light is in you. And the last thing I leave you with is you need to guard your light with your life. Don't let that darkness creep in. That light overcomes darkness. But if you're here today, maybe for the first time, maybe you've been coming for a little while and some of this hasn't made sense and maybe today it still doesn't all make sense, I want you to know the first thing you need to do is come and meet Jesus who is the light of the world. Because this wonderful Jesus with the compassion he showed to that woman who was cast down and humiliated, that same Jesus with the same compassion will take his glorious gift of eternal light and eternal life and he will shine that into your life if you simply ask him. Because he is no humiliator. He will not give you 600 hoops to climb through and self-condemnations to hope that one day maybe you get to heaven. He says over there in 1 John 5, In fact, I came, 
I did what I did and I wrote these things to you that you might know 100% for sure that you're on your way to heaven because you have the light of life. And so before you go today, I pray that you would speak to Pastor Michael, one of the other pastors. You're welcome to come and talk to me as well. Uh, someone here, maybe someone brought you today and have a discussion with them about the light of life. This message is called Turn the Light On. Some need the light turned on unto salvation, but the brethren, those who already know Christ as Savior today, hey, can we make this commitment this week and walk in that light, not in that darkness? I wonder who'd say that this morning. Just with a humble hallelujah. Yes, Lord, I want to walk in that light, not in the self-condemnation of darkness. Would you bow your heads with me this morning? I'll lead us in a word of prayer here, and I'll hand the service over. I ask you just quietly to bow your heads with me for just a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the glorious gift of the gospel, this simple theme of light and darkness and all that it means to us. And I pray that as the word of God has gone forth and people have heard my human voice, oh, I, I pray that they've also heard the gnawing of the Holy Spirit upon their heart and their inner person. Thank you for your compassion and loving kindness to us. And I pray you would minister to us as we close here. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed this morning. And I realize that, that I'm here on the stage and pastor's coming in just a moment, but I feel impressed to do this today with, with others not looking and the music team have their heads bowed and eyes closed too. This is a personal moment between you and God. I don't know you yet. I look forward to meeting many more of you. But I simply want to ask a question today to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. And that question is this. As you've heard the message today, you've heard my human voice. You've heard my human words. But if you would honestly say inside, something's been tugging at you. The truth of that message has been moving you. And you would say, I, I want to respond to God that way. You, you might even say it this way. God's spoken to me today in, in, in whatever that means. God's spoken to me today. If that's you this morning, I wonder if you just raise your hand in acknowledgement of that. And I... I'm not going to call you out. You're not going to stand up, anything like that. I just want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else today say, Pastor Nathan, God spoke to me. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. And I, I'm only asking not so I can tick a number. I, I don't do that. But sometimes there's just an action in us that as we respond to that, it we're kind of just saying it to God. We're confirming. Almost like when he said, does anyone condemn you? And you're saying, no man, Lord, you're responding. There be anyone else like that? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I, I feel so privileged to come all this way to share with you today. Let me pray just one more time here. Father, we are just so blessed to be in the house of God today. These folks who raised their hands, I don't know them, but Lord, you intimately know them and you love them. And whatever the state of their soul today, may they connect with you. If any of these who've raised their hands need to know you as Savior, before they leave today, would they seek someone out or would one of the pastors seek them? And for others who already know you, I am who you say I am. I pray today as they've called on you and acknowledged something going on in their life, would you bring the healing that light brings? Would you give the encouragement to follow through on decisions they may have made today? And Lord, we thank you for the great privilege of being in the house of God this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.